welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 100. And as always, you are joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. Now, before we get into today's episode, we just want to remind you as always that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please feel free to tell your family and friends about them, take a screenshot and post it to your social media stories. Also, if you are listening on the iTunes podcast app, we would greatly appreciate if you could please leave us a rating and potentially write us a review. That would be much appreciated. And if you are interested in getting in touch with us regarding our coaching services, you can always head over to our website by searching The Bodybuilding Dietitians on Google or just going to www.thebodybuildingdietitians.com, which is a link that you can find in the show notes below or any of our Instagram bios. So without further ado, you know, episode 100 Q&A, we've reached quite a milestone here, Jack. Yeah, it's amazing. Triple digits. Triple digits, that big 100, right? We've had this podcast for just over two years now, so going strong, mm. going consistent, right? So that means we've we've missed four episodes in two years, I think. Something like that. Yep. <laughs> Which ain't too bad when you really look at it. <laughs> but all right, kicking off this Q&A. So this first question says, what's something interesting that you've learned since working one-on-one with clients? Great. So I think it's the quick answer is that it's really highlighted to me how much individual variation there is in response to training and nutrition. So for example, how much energy someone requires in order to lose weight, how quickly they adapt to that amount of energy, how, how they respond to certain volume amounts within training, how they, how quickly they put on muscle. And obviously there's going to be more favorable and less favorable adaptations to these scenarios. So like I've seen, depends on how you look at it, but I've seen people who um, adapt literally every single week to a certain amount of energy and you just keep bumping up their food every single week and and they they don't gain weight. And then I've seen people vice versa where they might gain for six to eight months on exactly the same macros consistently, which is quite crazy. And yeah, the same, same sort of deal with training where some people require or can recover from a large amount of volume, which is, um, is interesting. And it's, I'm glad I'm not there doing like four to five sets for everything and, and training with a high intensity or, or the opposite end of the spectrum where they might only be able to do two sets at full intensity for a given exercise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's kind of my answer. Just highlighting upon, we kind of always knew like Everything had to be personalized, of course. It depends, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it always comes down to the individual. <laughs> but that, that's kind of my answer to this question. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You know, everyone is different and you learn something new from every single client, right? And that's what really just makes anyone better as a practitioner or as a coach, just as they, you know, advance in their career and get more and more experience, you learn something from every single person you interact with. It's pretty remarkable. Mm, undoubtedly. And yeah, if you're giving out cookie cutter plans, there would be no ab- ability to learn. You wouldn't be refining your practice based on how people responded. So every every person needs something unique because they have unique requirements. Absolutely. And it really challenges you to, you know, obviously keep your mind open, right? And accept that things definitely aren't black and white. You know, it's every single shade of the rainbow kind of thing, right? Mm, yeah, totally. And I guess on that same note, like there will be people who like even without too much effort, they will respond very well. And you don't have to 
you don't have to put in a considerable amount of work. And this is partly just due to how, how diligent they are potentially, but Mm -hmm. you don't have to put in a considerable amount of work to tick certain boxes in terms of, okay, we've achieved this. We've his edit or his or her energy availability has reached this point. Whereas some people you really have to kind of grind at it. And that kind of just comes down to, individual response as well yeah it depends who they are and i find that it really depends on when they're coming to you at what phase they are in their own journey right Mm. like do they have already a few solid years of training under their belt have they worked with coaches before right like have they been tracking their nutrition for the past few years like how experienced are they in this space before they you know come to you kind of thing or are you literally working with someone completely brand new to everything in the health and fitness realm. Mm. Very, very different scenarios there. Mm. But what did you learn? So I think what I've learned since I became a coach is that if you truly want someone to succeed long-term, they need to want it more than you. They need to want to achieve their goals and they need to be more invested in the process than you are. And I know that kind of sounds like obvious and almost self-explanatory, but the thing about me is that like when I do an initial consultation with someone and we talk about, you know, what do they really want to get out of this? What are their short, medium and long-term goals? You know, what are their expectations from this experience? And they tell me their goals, right? Like I'm very invested in my clients. I love developing a very strong relationship with my clients and I'm going to support them, right? And I'm going to go to many lengths in order to help them achieve what they want to achieve. And I take this very seriously. So if someone tells me that they want to achieve something in that first consultation, I'll be like, hell yeah, let's freaking do it, right? But what I have experienced, you know, since becoming a coach is that you know, if you really do want someone to achieve their goals and reach their potential is that you can't be more invested in the process than they are, right? Because it does an example of that. So for example, you know, during the first consultation, someone might tell you about their aspirations to majorly change their body composition, right? And they want to be fully committed to a training program. They want to get stronger. They want to get fitter, right? You know, perhaps they want to drop a little bit of body fat, Like they just have these large body composition goals and they majorly and drastically want to change their lifestyle. So you implement strategies and you discuss things and you put plans in place to be like, okay, cool. If we follow this plan, pretty much guaranteed a result, right? And from the get go, like from that first consultation, they're highly motivated, but then, you know, like they just kind of start to slack off and drop off, you know, and their actions just don't back up their words. And I almost feel like I've been in situations before where I really want this person to succeed. You know, I really want to help them, but I almost feel like I want it more than they do. You know, I'm chasing them up, right? Cause I'm like, okay, I realize that their training templates aren't filled in. Right. But I really want them to progress in the gym this week. So I'm having to send them text messages like, Hey, when you get the chance, can you please update your own training? Right. Because I want to set you new targets or, you know, they're, not very consistent with their nutrition. They're not really filling things in or, you know, we're trying to track their body weight trends by taking an average scale weight across each week, right? From seven daily weigh-ins, but they're only hopping on the scale once or twice. How do you get a seven day average from one or two scale weights? So I feel like I've been in a position before where like, I can't really coach people, 
right? And even if, you know, they're all words and they're like, no, I really, really want this. Their actions just don't back up those words, right? So I've been in situations a few times, like since I've become a coach where you just have to have that open, honest conversation with this person. Just be like, how bad do you really want this? Right? Because like what you're saying isn't backing up what you're doing. Right. And I want this for you, but you have to want this more than I want it for you. You know what I mean? You really have to show that you are invested in this. So that's certainly something that I've learned. And it's also just a reason why sometimes you have to have that conversation with your clients as a coach. And sometimes you just have to be like, you know, I'm, I, I don't feel comfortable taking your money, right? Like that's not the kind of coach I am. Like I'm not in this for the money whatsoever. And I just don't feel comfortable with people paying me if they're not actually getting results themselves, right? They would be worthwhile doing something else or maybe working with someone else. Yeah. I think the, the process of getting a coach doesn't, guarantee your results unfortunately you still Mm -hmm. need to put in just as much effort and um, yeah that's kind of the reality of it yeah yeah I couldn't agree more so um yeah that's kind of what I've learned in this past year but again it's made me a much better coach you know and I guess it's a form of um variation again people's dedication towards a task absolutely and really reading people from the get-go right when Mm. you do that initial consultation with a client like i'm getting much much a much better idea of being like i'm kind of predicting how this is going to work out in the long run right there's all these little hints and these signs along the way but Mm. you know you never know sometimes people actually really surprise you so yeah (laughs) anyway let's move on to this next question so this one says being on social media, do you ever get any hate? Haters in the building. <laughs> so I think maybe in our whole time, including all the time I've been on social media, maybe probably only had genuine hate once. Do you remember what it was specifically? Yes, it was about a specific someone on a specific episode. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yes. But I don't... Um, yeah, I don't really even consider that hate because it's so consistent with what they usually are doing. It's kind of, they're kind of just spouting what they usually spout. And mm-hmm. obviously I'm not going to mention any names or anything else about it. But yeah, it's very, 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 very infrequent to put it simply. Yeah. And I think that's consistent with what we're about. Like we don't, the thing with hate is that putting out controversial int- information, which we don't do is is basically going to get you some negative feedback or controversial or hate feedback and that's part of how people grow in the industry at the moment especially with youtube doing with like natty or not putting out controversial topics on youtube and controversial videos podcasts whatever it may be and people do that intentionally they do critiques of other people intentionally to get negative feedback and that's how people go viral and and succeed but yeah, that's just obviously, as you guys can tell, we're not about that. We've chosen the more <laughs> organic path to grow. We're nice. You know, I think putting it plain and simply, we're nice. And I couldn't agree more. You know, what you put out into the universe, you generally attract, yeah. right? So if you're going to pick on people, then they're probably going to pick back on you. But if you're nice and open minded, right, like we are, and pretty much we're just trying to deliver good quality information. And I wouldn't say that wherever dogmatic in Actually, any sense. Actually, sorry, something just came. We have had like a few one-star reviews on 
not in Australia because we we talked about this before, but we realized you could check reviews from other countries. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> and like we've had we've had some. I guess do you want to share one or two of them? It was so hilarious. There was actually this thread of comments. I think someone talking about how I had chubby cheeks or something, yeah. and they gave us a one star review and said I had they, chubby cheeks. No, they they said <laughs> I I didn't come here to listen to someone talk about how they had chubby cheeks. I can't even remember talking about when I had chubby cheeks. And then it was actually really nice. Someone else backed me up because they're like, she keeps talking about her chubby cheeks. And this other person was like, Tiara always has chubby cheeks. Like, look at her Instagram <laughs> photos, whether she's shredded or she's in her improvement season, she always has chubby cheeks. And we found these comps. And I'm like, what the heck is this? <laughs> mm. And I, the only other one that comes to me is they basically said that like where you're getting this information from like mm -hmm. it doesn't sound very evidence-based and yeah. like you just got to ignore those sort of ones because like it, it, we're dietitians we, we we're not here our podcast isn't about reading off journal articles like yeah. go listen to someone else if you want that sort of i think info. we did have a few vegans you know like vegan activists commenting some things on some of our tbd infographics because we said something about you know all the nutrients that you get from dairy products and they're like what the hell is this or something or yeah do your research and it's like come and on we, man no, and then we had someone the opposite end who was like only eat organ meat That's, yeah so. <laughs> you really get two ends of the spectrum and then there's tbd right in the middle we're like you can eat a little bit of anything and everything and you're probably going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, I feel like if you're a good quality person, right, you're a nice person, you support others, you're going to be supported too, right? And people are very unlikely to pick on you. I guess there probably is going to be that average jerk who says something, but like, man, if someone's being a jerk on the internet, like if someone went onto one of my photos and said something rude, literally I just go onto their account. I just, I would probably not be following this person if they're being a jerk. But if I was following someone who's a jerk, immediate unfollow and just delete, delete the comment, move on with my mm. day, right? Like I don't have time to be arguing on the internet with random people over random things. Like, like usually when people are like saying negative stuff, that is such a reflection on them, the kind of day mm. they're having, the kind of person they are. And when situations like that happen, which again is once in a blue moon, but they do happen, I'm just like, man, I'm just so glad I'm me and not them, right? Like, I'm just so happy to be me right now. Well, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of looking forward. I'm hoping we get to that point where we do get a bit more hate because then it... What the hell? <laughs> no, because then it will mean that we've kind of stepped it up to that next level. Yeah. Like, you see people, for example, Mike Isretail, like he... Mm -hmm recently competed a lot of people are saying oh mike you don't even look like a bodybuilder or all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. and you see that on on people with larger followings all the time <laughs> and i guess mike puts out some he's very strong with his opinions but mm -hmm. like i just don't think where we we produce the content that is it's really difficult to have a a um, negative opinion of it yeah unless it's potentially vegans or or something else i yeah. don't know but exactly yeah but uh I don't know. <laughs> Luckily for now, I hope there's no haters in the building. What song is that from? I have no idea. Oh, oh it's um no, I it it's from the tip of my tongue. I yeah, can't remember it. Haters in the building. Can someone please tell me? <laughs> I feel like I listen to that song all the Dude, time. We, too. we might get copyright for this. You can't I'm not sure. I'm gonna have to double you check. You might be triggering some people. But now. anyway, uh yeah, I totally agree. But I guess people do say that like the more successful you become, the more hate you're gonna get. But mm. I hope not because like, I don't know. I kind of want a nice you community. You don't deal with hate well? 
Uh, again, I just block and delete people. I don't really have, I really don't have many haters or negative people in my life. Cause again, like I'm not controversial and that's not to say that I don't have my own opinions. Right. And like you and I discuss certain topics and stuff, but like, I've never felt the need man to go onto the internet and like, just spout off all this random stuff that I believe in. I'm just like, I genuinely don't like, I'm just not going to put in that effort. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, it's not worth my time. Cause like, I don't want to get a whole bunch of messages back. Some are in support. Some aren't. It's just not, the, it's not my thing. I'm really the not. The only time I'll think about doing it is, uh, defending someone else who I feel like has been unjustly criticized or something yeah. like that. Like for example, I don't know, maybe Brandon Kempter getting hate for not apparently not being natty. Like, oh yeah. That's a really like, good example. Cool. Well. I'm glad we didn't have much to talk about for this one. Yeah. What's the next question? Okay. <laughs> so this next question, it says, what are your business and career goals slash aspirations? Great. I'll let you take the floor with this one. Business and career goals. All right. Well, business is going pretty well right now. You know, like we've been off the ground for just over a year and a half now. This podcast has gone really well. You know, we've gotten both of ourselves a solid client base and we've got our own little merchandise. Like I feel like we've built ourselves a really good community, right? A good supportive, educated community in this past year and a half. So I'm really proud of us for actually doing that. But I guess long-term would just be obviously just continuing to build our reputation as practitioners and as dietitians and as professionals in this space, right? And really setting ourselves apart as, you know, literally not just bodybuilding prep coaches, but dietitians. And we actually have the knowledge and the skills to truly help people succeed from a dietary standpoint to, you know, really meet, reach their maximum potential when it comes to their bodybuilding endeavors and trying our absolute best to look after their health from a nutritional standpoint. So as the years go on, right? Like I really want to be considered as one of the top tier professionals in this field, right? For that reason. And also just being able to collaborate with more like-minded people, right? Like we are now associated with Sports Nutrition Australia and we'll be coming on board with them soon to actually take on their comp prep courses, right? And actually be assessors for that and also presenters for the comp prep course here in Australia. And they're branching out to other countries as well to collaborate with other huge names in the field, you know, like Eric Helms and Eric Trexler, right? And like Bill Campbell, all these people, they're making this huge sports nutrition association worldwide. And then they're gonna have this specific part that actually just focuses on bodybuilding competition preparation and implementing evidence-based practice. So that is hugely exciting, right? And I feel so grateful that we're gonna be a part of that in this coming year and the coming years to come. So that's a huge business step. Yeah, undoubtedly that that's probably been one of the highlights of this year, kind of integrating ourselves in that department and beyond the obvious kind of, okay, expanding clientele and all that kind of stuff. What I really want in the coming years is just when you think of natural bodybuilding, you think of the bodybuilding dietitians mm -hmm. and that's just going to keep from doing what we're doing, releasing content, collaborating with people, just like kind of 3DMJ when you think of natural bodybuilding, you think of kind of 3DMJ. And I think we can, we can achieve that in the years to come. Hell yeah, we can, you know, 
I think that we've already made a name for ourselves in this industry. And again, it's still very early days, right? And you just keep working and you just keep climbing. Mm, yeah. Totally. Well, where do you want to be as a coach in the future? So that's a good question. Because the interesting thing about coaching is that like this is looking like, are you still going to be a coach in 30, 40 years? Like that's a long time to think in the future for being a coach. Mm -hmm. Or do you kind of expand in the years to come? Like, do you reach a certain point where you're like, okay, I want, is it natural progression to, to do other things and to find other, it's not always about income. That's something I've realized as well. It's also about how happy you are with what you're doing. And like for me, seeing ourselves as a as a brand and when people think of bodybuilding they think of us that for me is more important than like how much money i'm making i'd much rather create a platform and a community than earn like six figures or seven figures whatever it may be yeah because so, we were talking about this the other day right and like money i don't know it, it's just not a driver for me because the lifestyle that you and i both lead like hell even if we both had an extra like 10 million dollars in the bank yeah we probably wouldn't be renting in this queenslander <laughs> let's be honest right we'd probably live on a nicer house on the beach on the sunshine coast or something like that but like other than that you know we'd still be going to the gym every single day right like we'd still be going for walks with our dogs we'd still probably be checking with our clients because you still want a job you still have to do something feel productive hell we'd probably still be podcasting still be eating the same food sleeping at the same time mm. like we just have more money in the bank and a nicer house but other i'm living life the way that i've always wanted to live my life right like i feel like we're both just so happy and at peace right now like money wouldn't drastically change anything yeah i i feel like it's definitely a controversial topic mm -hmm. for other people like I'm just thinking of all the more political-minded people saying upbringing, all that kind of stuff. Uh, not necessarily. Like, you and I have both, like, been working for a long time. We've both just saved all of our money, right? But anyway, I'm just saying, down the track, like, I feel like money isn't a huge driver for me. Like, I'm not, you know, interested in, like, like I don't know, like, building a TBD corporation that mm. brings in, like, you know, 100 coaches and then, like, we're billionaires or something <laughs> like that. I don't like I'm simple like I just I like life the way it is right now but I feel yeah, like I think money is more a reflection of the the amount of study we've done mm -hmm. our qualifications and the service that we provide yeah like that being said we're not gonna undercharge for our services because like that's not a valid reflection of of what we provide and the time that we put into things so yeah basically just continuing on the path that we're on ensuring like in the future I'm very happy with working with my broad spectrum of clientele at the moment. Most of them are body composition related. It would be kind of weird if you didn't have body comp goals and you saw me because um, I'm a bodybuilding dietitian. So I, I automatically get clients who are more focused on that. Even from Google, people, people who aren't bodybuilders still find us mm -hmm. and, and are interested. So yeah, but ultimately maybe working the vast majority with bodybuilders or people who really want to change their body comp and are very, very dedicated and motivated and want to take it to that next level. Yeah, I'm the exact same, right? Like I really want to work with just a certain number of clients. I'm definitely not out to work with like a hundred people at once, right? Like again, I'm always about that quality of service. So I would never stretch my limits to just bite off more than I could chew. So I'd probably want to work with like max, maybe like 40, maybe 50 people, right? But 
40 to 50 people that I could have really long-term relationships with, right? And work towards some really big goals. And I'm not going to lie. I want to specialize in this area, right? Like one day I want to earn a pro card as a natural athlete in a federation, right? Whether that be ICN or IFBB or WNBF, right? Like I want to work myself up in the ranks as a professional bodybuilder, but one day I also want to definitely specialize in this niche to be one of the best female bodybuilding coaches in the world, right? And providing evidence-based practice and having a team of girls who are also professional bodybuilders too, right? And, and bikini athletes and fitness athletes, of course, right? Like bodybuilding is that umbrella term, but I certainly do want to specialize in this area one day and pretty much just probably specifically work with competitors, right? In the years to come, as I build up, you know, my reputation and my status as a professional in this space, but so that I can just be the absolute best at what I do, right? So that I can teach people, you know, how to train, how to nourish themselves, how to pose, how to properly prep for a competition, right? Exit out of a competition, just build their physiques. I want, I genuinely want to work with people like me, and I'm not scared to say that, right? So <laughs> it's your business. You can do what you want. Yeah. You but don't need to be scared. I know, but sometimes people There's might... There's plenty of other general dietitians out there. Exactly. That's the thing, right? But like, if I'm so goddamn passionate and I know that I'm very intelligent, right? And I know that I do have the potential to specialize and be the absolute best at something very specific, man, I'm going down that route, right? But again, I'm going down that route, but I'm working my way toward it, right? Mm. So of course... Now I still love working with all my clients, whether they have aspirations to step on a stage one day or not, right? I still love working with anyone who has lifestyle related goals, but I mean, down the future, right? It's kind of like anyone in any other profession. Like for example, imagine a plastic surgeon, right? Like they start off, they're pretty broad. They're like, yeah, you know, I'll do some plastic surgery on a nose or, you know, a boob or something. <laughs> just <did> one boob. <laughs> just most, sometimes it's just one boob, but you know, then they work themselves up the ranks and then they're like the best plastic surgeon, you know, for nose jobs in the world kind of thing, mm, you know? Totally. Yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> Best prep coach in the world. Yeah, that's that's the dream, right? And I like think, being able to travel internationally with the team, you know, like obviously we couldn't be gone for months because, you know, we got two dogs at home. But I just mean having those opportunities and having opportunities, again, to be recognized as a professional in this field, like someone like Eric Helms, you know, or Mike Isertel, like they travel the world and they speak and they present. And if you guys haven't noticed yet from the last hundred podcast <laughs> episodes, your girl likes to speak. So, you know, get me up on a stage, right? Talking about all this stuff. I could do it. I'd love to do it. I think a good segue, uh, we're basically sticking with the theme of personal stuff for mm -hmm. this podcast, I guess. So like, what about we, we also got a question about our goals for 2021. Mm. Do you want to touch on that? Absolutely. I want you to go first. Cool. So definitely undoubtedly a huge component of 2021. The first, the entire half of it is going to be competing mm -hmm. so i i'll do be doing at least three shows uh april 10th april 24th and may 8th i might even do uh some other ones depending on how i go but i i have do have the icn shows as my priority because i mean i see that as the most competitive scene for natural bodybuilding in australia definitely um unfortunately wmbf isn't here yet otherwise mm -hmm. i'll probably be competing with them but that's not the case maybe in the future mm-hmm 
we've actually spoken about that before, right? Like actually trying to, if we were like ambassadors for WNBF, right? Mm. And actually trying to bring it over here to Australia, that would yeah, be pretty cool. Somehow bring a, like a qualifying show to, to Australia, that mm-hmm. would be quite unique. The, the hard thing is getting it off the ground and attracting people. So. Man, what if we did in the improvement season, we could be the MCs. <laughs> or we you'd... could or we could be on the judging panel but either way we'll, we would promote it on this podcast for sure mm, yeah 100 <laughs> percent. but yeah basically i want we we talked about this in another episode but i don't have the goal to improve upon my last physique because that's already done mm-hmm. like that's yeah i wouldn't have competed if i knew i wasn't going to improve upon my physique so it, it's going to be more than that it's going to be doing i want obviously i want to win and whether that's winning like an overall or winning a pro card, I'm competing across classic physique and bodybuilding. So I think that's that's naturally going to be who doesn't want to win. Like unless you're doing it for another reason, cool. But my reason is I'm I've always been competitive in whatever sport I played. So yeah, I want I want to give it my best to try and win something. Hell yeah, good for you. You know, it's important to go and see these things with a winning mindset, right? And like, what's really gonna get you through those really tough days and those really tough weeks if you don't have a winning mindset, Mm. right? Like you have to look at yourself like, I guess not necessarily everyone could realistically look at themselves and they're like, yeah, I'm the competition, right? <laughs> I don't, I definitely don't <laughs> you, look at myself Everyone like else up, is up against me and me only, right? Like, but I feel like genuinely you are in that position, especially for classic physique, right? Like I look at you and I'm like, Jack's, Jack's the competition, Jack's setting the standard, right? But yeah, you have to have a winning mindset. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I don't naturally think about myself like that. I wouldn't, I would say I struck, I can struggle to have a winning mindset at times. Mm-hmm. It's more, but it doesn't stop me from wanting to, to win, which is kind of an is oxymoron. It that, but. Is it that, I think you do have a winning mindset, but is it more, you know, making that apparent, right? Like actually preaching that and letting other people know that, right? Mm, like, are you a bit be. hesitant to actually say it out loud? Maybe I'm very, I'm kind of a kind of superstitious person. So like, <laughs> If I, if I put it out into the world, is, 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 a, is a larger power going to then spit it in my face or something like that? No, so. I think in this case, honestly, if you were to put the opposite out into the world and you were to say out loud, I'm going to lose, I think you'd be more likely to lose, <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Because that's why I say to my clients all the time, if they, they tell me, they're like, I can't do it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You can't, right? Because you just told yourself that you can't. But if you start believing that you can, hell yeah, there's a much more likely probability that you can and you will. Mm. Yeah, in saying that, like, you just have to be very mindful with bodybuilding because it is a very subjective sport and there's, it's so heavily dependent on genetics. I could train harder than someone, I could train more evidence-based than someone, I could get leaner than someone or blah, 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 and someone could still beat me because of, of how they look. Mm-hmm or how the judges look or how they portray themselves on stage, or I could screw up my tan, all that kind of stuff. So I could get sick the day before show, have mm-hmm. um, diarrhea and, and lose all my fullness. <laughs> so like, and those aren't excuses, that's just p- p- basically saying what could happen. There so, are hypotheticals for sure, but I'm here definitely as your second pair of eyes to reassure you that- I'm not saying this about, I'm saying this in general about yeah. everyone. So like, I'm trying to reassure people that it's um it's a very subjective and at the end of the day if one if you get a pro card what's next you then mm. get to compete with the pros so like often the biggest journey is getting to that pro card level mm. and if it happens when you're 20 
then like you're going to be at the bottom of the of the feeding chain exactly that's a thing right like you know everyone's chasing that pro card but once you get it you're like oh shiz i can't compete as an amateur anymore and again that's the thing as well like there aren't nearly as many show opportunities once you're a professional athlete and again there's no age category right mm. like it's an like you know you're gonna be compete if you're 20 years old and you're a pro you're competing against that guy who's 45 years old and he's a pro he's got he's been alive for twice as long as you and damn, he's probably got <laughs> twice the muscle maturity as you, you'll be standing next to him on stage, right? And again, there's not as many show opportunities. So you've got to travel overseas to compete. It's a lot more expensive, right? So there's a lot of logistics at play, but I don't think it's a bad thing, right? Like if people work as hard as you and I do, and they're, they're freaking in love with this, right? Like this is what we do. This is who we are. It's an identity, right? We are bodybuilders. I'm not ashamed in the slightest to say that, hell yeah, like we have winning mindsets and we want pro cards, right? And we will get pro cards. Like we will do it, right? It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter yeah. of work. Yeah, I agree. I think there's no doubt that we will get them. It just, it's just a matter of when and yeah, what season, mm -hmm. so on, so forth. So yeah, it's exciting stuff. Absolutely. Well, but yeah, I guess I only answered sort of part of that question, mm -hmm. but it, the rest kind of just ties into the business and actually continuing to promote ourselves well on social media and maximizing the comp prep in order to do that. Mm -hmm. I think if you don't, if we don't post much during our preps, it's kind of a big missed opportunity. I think we've done really well with the podcast for our road to 2021. And like based on the stats of that, I think a lot of listeners would be surprised at how well it's doing. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, continuing to, post on Instagram and on our business page as well, improving that because ultimately that's the main platform for uh, becoming a, a brand name. Probably mm -hmm. Instagram is the number one and the podcast would be probably number one as well. Yeah. Just staying consistent and continuously putting ourselves out there. Right. Yeah. But, um, that's pretty much it. Like I don't really have many other goals. Mm -hmm. I want to have a good holiday after prep. Hell yeah. Wanna Club Med Bali. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> well, we booked it for 2020. Hopefully we can go there in 2021. Yeah. I might want to go somewhere else. We'll see. Hawaii. <laughs> I don't know if we can go to the US quite yet. <laughs> mm. Cool. Well, that's pretty much it for me. What about you? Yeah. Well, my goals, you know, for 2021 are pretty much along the same lines as you, right? Like I just want to be the absolute best physique athlete possible. And the thing is like, I really want to step up in IFBB, particularly like last year. I feel like last year, honestly, it was kind of just like a trial run for me. Right. And I got like second call outs this year. I really want to get into those first call outs for IFBB bikini. And again, just keep working myself and working up the ranks and come on stage with a much better physique, much better posing. And then for ICN, I didn't even get to compete in ICN last year. So again, that's going to be a whole new different ball game because I'm going to be competing in federation and divisions that I've never competed in before. Like I did ICN bikini in 2018, 2021, finally moved I've up. I've never done classic either. No, well, moving up to the fitness and the sports model category, right? Like that's a whole different ball game. So that will be huge, but I just want to get on stage with a physique that I'm really proud of, right? And just really be able to showcase it and do my absolute best. And hell yeah, I have a winning mindset, you know? And I feel like if I don't say out loud that, yeah, I would want to chase a pro card, right? Even if that's very ambitious. Well, it's like, like you said, no one should want to win me. more than you. That would yeah. be random and, <laughs> and weird. <laughs> Maybe your mom and dad or your grandma, but. Exactly. I want this more than anyone. 
So yeah, I'm definitely chasing that. But those are obviously competition goals for this year, but just continuing to build the business, right? And just continuing to, you know, build my clientele, right? And just, again, just really landing a name for ourselves in this industry, right? Awesome. Yeah, it's all a journey and uh, it's all happening one day at a time. Everything compounds. It does. Cool. Well, I think this is a great spot to wrap up this episode. Mm -hmm. Hopefully everyone enjoyed the triple digit episode and we'll finish as we usually do one thing that we've learned this week. I'll let Tierra kickstart that. Okay. So something I learned this week, this is not related to health and nutrition in the slightest, but it is related to March of the Penguins. (laughs) But anyway, I learned that penguins actually have knees. So I was listening to the Dr. Carl podcast on 3DMJ, right? Science Hour with Dr. Carl. And uh, turns out that I learned that penguins actually have knees because penguins spend like 75% of their time actually in the water. And when an animal actually apparently has knees, it makes them a better swimmer. So penguins have knees so that it helps them be a better swimmer in the water. But the thing is, is that they don't walk like humans, right? Because penguins, you know, they do their funky little waddle. The thing is, is that anatomically, right, their knees are actually positioned, I think, further back away from their body. So the reason why they waddle, right, and kind of like they're like, you know, um, their center of gravity is kind of like pushing forward, right? Like Mm. they're putting more weight forward on their chest is so that they don't topple over because their knees, their knees are kind of like behind them. And then penguins. I'm pretty sure most penguins, I don't know. I think all penguins are pretty similar in the way they're put together with their knees and shiz, right? But that's just There's what I learned. There's some massive penguins, some small ones. Yeah. Well, oh, the king emperor penguins. Yeah, they're, they're big boys. Yeah. Yes, they are. But uh, yeah, that's what I learned this week. Penguins do indeed have knees, but they're like behind their body. So that's why they got to do their funky little penguin waddle. Cool. Yeah. I actually saw March of the Penguins like when it first came out you know in the cinemas really cool movie Mm, yeah i haven't seen it yet oh we should watch it man you know it's uh, narrated by morgan freeman such a good movie i love march of the penguins yeah (laughs) anyway jack what did you learn this week so i basically rediscovered the power of retrogradation and a lot of you probably have seen it happen before but not really realized what it was so it's basically when amylopectin and amylo's Um, realign themselves when cooked starch cools so when you leave oats in the fridge overnight or when you leave um, rice in the fridge overnight or just when you let's say you uh, have to take a call and you leave your oats cooked oats on the counter and you come back and they're way thicker Mm -hmm. stuff like that that's that's due to retrogradation and it's mainly due to cooling Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's very useful for our current situation because we are in prep So there's nothing worse than having watery oats or watery cream of wheat. Mm -hmm. And basically what I've started doing now is cooking my cream of wheat or oats and then letting it sit for a bit or even putting the fan on it. That'll help speed up the process. And it basically thickens things up considerably. So back back in the day, I used to just keep microwaving it, microwaving it, and it would take up like half an hour of my time. Now I just cook it once and take it out of the microwave. The, the key thing is that it's cooked and it's hot and, and then you just let it sit. The longer you let it sit, the thicker it'll get. Um, so if you let it sit in the fridge overnight, it'll be quite thick. So yeah, I've definitely been practicing this art of retrogradation for many, many years, probably just because I've been eating much higher volumes of food than you for yeah. many years in terms of my grains. Like 
that's the thing. I can cook a hundred grams of oats in like 900 milliliters of water, <laughs> but the key is guys, you cook them and then you let them sit on the counter for like three hours to retrograde mm. and thicken up. Like good luck eating burning hot oat soup with yeah. almost a liter of water. But I guess you've rediscovered this because obviously you're in prep volumizing food a little bit more. Mm. And so you're adding more water to things like protein cakes, cream of wheat, oats, right? Yeah, that's mm. it. And it is very useful and it's it's just a better texture as well. Mm -hmm. It's more more of like a gelatinous texture yeah. as opposed to runny. And that's why I think when people see pictures, especially of my oats on Instagram, right? They're like, oh my God, how did you cook your oats? Like, and I'm like, literally just water and microwaved, but then you have to add in the key that like, then you let them sit out for like three to four hours. So definitely does take some planning ahead, mm. right? But luckily we live, we work from home. So like I can make my oats that I'm going to eat at lunchtime after breakfast. Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> Basically, if you make overnight oats, you've then just done it. Or if you if you have oats every morning, try and make it the night before and see if you like it. Mm -hmm. What I would do is don't. If you add fruit and stuff, other things into your oats, don't add it in the overnight. Mm -hmm. Personally, I don't like that. Or think mainly. I think fruit, it tastes really good, fruit. especially. Well, actually, if you add something like chia seeds, that really helps yeah. with gelatinizing it and you know making it much thicker. Mm. Yeah, something I don't do personally is. I don't cook my blueberries in the oats because then it just like emulsifies them. Mm -hmm. um, I put it in, stir them in after and they retain their integrity, structural mm -hmm. integrity, uh, makes it the texture much better. That's just a tip from me. You got the whole bloobs. Yeah. But don't, don't do the same like with uh, cocoa powder. What I've done, like you always cook cocoa powder with oats in the microwave. Don't cook your oats just plain then add cocoa powder afterwards. Like so much nicer when you add it to the water. Mm. All these little tricks, man, with oats. <laughs> we got plenty of stuff. We, we should need make like an oat ebook, right? Or just a, we need a, yeah, maybe a recipe ebook in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a whole big ass chapter for oats. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in for our 100th episode. As always, can't believe we've made it to over two years and, you know, that big 100 episode milestone. It's mm. pretty. Of, these are just our main. Like yeah, just the main the ones. 2021. Yeah, I think in total we must have close to like 145 or something total yeah. episodes on this channel now. So pretty neat, right? Awesome. Yeah, really proud of us. But anyway, guys, thank you again for tuning in. If you did enjoy it, as always, please feel free to take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag Jack, tag myself, tag the bodybuilding dietitians, and we will catch you next week. See you guys.